0: Hey, everybody. This is Keith Hancock alongside my partner, Confida and pal, Christine DeVita.
1: And welcome back to another episode of Behind the Counter.
0: Happy Wednesday, Christine DeVita.
1: How are you? How you
0: doing? How you doing? I'm doing good. I only say Wednesday because this comes out on a Wednesday. Today, I'm not sure what day it is right now. <laughs> it's been I, kind of been busy.
1: I think we're in Tuesday. Yeah, it's we're, on, in Tuesday. we're on
0: Tuesday. but yeah. We're recording Yeah. So- so, um, uh, but in the future, we'll be doing some live broadcasting. That's our plans. How was your week? Ah, my week has been good. My week has been good. Starting off tonight. We're going to see how this episode goes. I broke a little tradition. I got no coffee tonight. Doing a little, uh,
1: <gasps> I've noticed I there's, I no sure. <laughs> there's no mug. There's yeah,
0: no mug in your right area. are doing this.
1: What is that? In a DC supplement? or a LaCroix? Is that a Lacroix or a DC?
0: Oh, that neither, neither. That's Kirkland brand, baby.
1: Oh, nice baby. representing baby go Costco, Kirkman. man. Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: They so, make the best sparkling water. Not a shout out to Kirkland. Kirkland brand is good on a lot of stuff. I'll tell you though, I really, I rarely drink soda anymore. I don't know about you. I just every time I drink, I don't whatever it might be. If I drink soda, it's usually Dr Pepper. But it's just so sweet now that i all I drink is seltzer yeah. all the time.
1: Yeah, same just here. It
0: just doesn't do it for me anymore.
1: LaCroix and uh, the occasional oh, Ginger Ale.
0: Yeah, this is basically the Kirkland version of LaCroix. Honestly, yeah, LaCroix. It's, who the hell knows? It's probably friggin' LaCroix in there because, you know, yeah, they do that shit. Because, you know, sometimes. they private
1: label Kirkland, which I think is yep. fine. So, uh, oh, what yeah. do we have on deck for tonight?
0: So tonight, starting off, we have some great articles. You know, we talked on our last episode a lot about Starbucks, and I talk a lot about Starbucks lately. So guess what I'm going to start the episode off with since Let me guess. I'm kicking off. Starbucks. Starbucks. All right,
1: baby. Yeah. Uh,
0: so doing it, but they honestly, they keep running some good headlines. So we we talked about the union, and we talked about uh, the three restu- or restaurants, whatever they call them, stores, stores, shops, coffee places up in Buffalo, and they've unionized. That's official. Yes. It's done. So- Howard Schultz, the original CEO of Starbucks, has returned amid the the new union wave. Yeah. Both investors and employees have called on the company to abandon its anti-union stance. But workers say Schultz has a history of anti-union sentiment. So this is going to be interesting to follow. It really is. Because Starbucks is always a good barometer. It's just one of those things. And, And this is going to speak to, I think, a lot of... Um, way that things may go for other fast casual change not necessarily full service but it's definitely going to speak to that and like we mentioned last then you have cities or like New York City or states like California where the laws are a little bit more in line with what's unionized anyway so it doesn't really make that much of a difference it's going to hit home in places like where you are out in Long Island or me in Jersey and places like that that don't necessarily march to that drummer beat right. at the moment Right. So they were saying that Starbucks, I guess their big investors gathered virtually to talk about the future of the company. Um, it was at the pardon me, at the annual shareholders meeting.
1: Okay.
0: Company's leaders were virtually silent, um, pressing the issue that's facing the chain. You know, there's a nationwide u- unionization wave that's expanded now to more than 100 stores across the country.
1: Wow. Interesting. Well, I have a so question. Kevin, Sure. No. Why do these employees feel that they need to unionize over at Starbucks? What's going on behind the scenes in Starbucks that these employees feel that they have to be part of a union? That's the big question. It's,
0: it's hard to say because it's Starbucks was always, early on, were the ones championed in the employees before it was cool. Right. Yeah, You know, like when they started to really hit the scene in early 2000s, they were all Starbucks buys your college. But whatever it was, I can't remember. But they were the ones you always heard of, you know? Okay. And I think, and I read, and I, I, that's, at least that's how I recall. You know, they treat you nice over there. They started with that stuff. Awesome. And we mentioned Prent when we were talking about Starbucks. You know, they, not really similar concepts, but in some ways. Right. Prent took care of their employees well, but they were, you know, you had, they were on it. Exactly. It was they necessarily treat you nice, but they paid you and they took you out to dinner. Right. And, and drinking and stuff like that. So there was a lot of, a lot of differences. Interesting. So I read, I actually remember. Uh, t- oh, it's 2017. Looking at the article, I thought it was actually a little longer that that guy, Kevin Johnson, took over. Howard Schultz stepped down. It was a big thing. A couple of years ago, what he was going to do, I have no idea what the hell Howard Schultz did in the interim. Maybe was out on his yachts for the past five years and decided he wants to go back to work. Obviously, he's passionate about his brand because he saw something happening and decided to step in him. I don't know. I'm going to say behind the scenes that when he decided to step back in, Kevin Johnson was told to take the back seat. I don't necessarily know if it was retirement. Or sometimes um, when that happens, and I think you kind of see it illustrated on that show, we like Secession. Some people take the place while the CEO steps back, but they're kind of puppet mastering. And then they decided they want to go back to the front of the line again. You know, it could have been that sort of deal, too. Who knows? Who cares? Bottom line is he's back. um, And it's going to be interesting to follow this story. And we'll definitely bring you some updates as as it unfolds to hear what other locations may unionize in Starbucks. Because one thing about unionization, and they saw it in supermarkets like back in the 50s. It's it's like, like, you know, the, the... Chicken pox. Well, Once one kid in the class has it. they yeah, all start to get it.
1: Exactly. One of the one of the employees, one of the baristas at Starbucks, mm-hmm. uh did an interview with Forbes, right? Um mm-hmm. and he said, you know, Starbucks, when the pandemic hit, right, um, they obviously they increased their employees' pay rates because of everything that was going on. Um, and then I think 2021 they went ahead and they took the money back once the store started picking up so this essentially right. i think is what sparked it um and they said they're not their people in culture are just not what it was um mm. and you have people there for 10 15 20 years who are joining this union uh and they're saying starbucks is not not what it was but i mm-hmm. mean again it's the restaurant business guys you have to accept change it is what it is yeah. you know i don't i don't favor unions. I don't favor unions. No, nah. no, I would they have make never you lazy that. as an employee, especially in the restaurant <laughs> okay. business.
0: Um, you know, one thing cool, also, you know, Starbucks. I also like the Earth Day pop, K-pop, so that'll be coming back. Oh, nice! That, just they, being corny, they're, they're, <laughs> but it's, not, it's the Earth Cake Pop is coming back. It's because it's that time of month. Earth Day is coming up, Love or that. next month, right? That's next month. Yes. Yeah, because that the month we care about the Earth starts with April Fool's Day, and then.
1: The month we you can know what happens every April Fool's Day? A oh,
0: bunch box. of Republicans go and do to cl- go and do a big cleanup. That's the joke. That would never fucking happen, no.
1: <laughs> so, uh, oh my god, uh, I can't! Unbelievable! Unbelievable! So
0: anyway, um.
1: <laughs> so so we have masks and vaccines, right? Ooh. They're gone. See you You're later. Gone. Indoor For dining. Now. Have fun, people. Go back to mm-hmm. uh, pre-pandemic and uh, go live your life and have fun, especially in uh, New York City. Yeah. No more yeah, proof. It's funny of today. Nothing.
0: I I was reading something today that popped up though. They were like, you know, people can there's there's what there's another variant, right? Right. Which is this? Which I'm watching because it's concerned. Like oh, I hope they don't try to paint some other bullshit picture because it's basically the Omnicromney whatever it's just another variant of that but it's the same cause but the cdc was like take your masks off but don't throw them away yet put them in the cupboard
1: okay in okay. case you
0: have to take them out again
1: we need to stop
0: it's like put them i was like my <laughs> my my masks are not in the cupboard first off i only wear disposable number one so that's disgusting let me start with that cdc yeah all right that's just
1: all I, I don't said. have any i be disposable. honest with you i don't have any i go to the doctor and i'm like i don't have a mask they're like you don't have a mask i'm like why am i wearing a mask i'm vaccinated yeah. leave me alone right? They have to give right. me a bask. But I think there was just a lull in news cycle, which is why we're bringing up a new variant, because the news has been strongly covering Russia and the Ukraine, uh, and Biden throughout this whole episode, you know, internationally. But I think it was just a lull in news cycle and le- why not? Let's just talk about COVID and see if we could scare everybody. And I think everybody's just over it. And Fauci, I think is retiring. So there's some good news.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I did hear that. Well, I yep. heard he's tossing it around. Did he officially say he was?
1: I think he's well, we'll mulling find it out. around. Probably, I think it's
0: time. He's in his 80s. I mean, it's, it might be time.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we'll
0: continue to report on this, track mass mandates. But right now, there really are no mandates because they're lifted up. And I I personally believe it's going to stay that way.
1: Yeah, that's it. The endemic you know, is coming.
0: The endemic is coming, honestly.
1: I think it came already. It,
0: it, it, it's all... You know they they were saying it was backed by science right so sometimes i wonder which science is it political science or is it other science because we will see because they i'll tell you a lot of these democrat cities like new york when de blasio was in and states like california los angeles very hard on the mass mandates right you can yeah. go to you can go to houston do whatever you want but then they started to take some polls about what the people wanted even those that vote for had them and they don't want the mass mandates anymore right you know they don't. They don't have to wear it to go to restaurants. So that's why all of a sudden you're starting to see this get lifted. It's just you know, they're well, not being tone deaf, I guess, which is good. People don't want to wear the masks, regardless. Yeah. This is it's it's not a political thing. So that's that's what we're seeing. So, Christine, that's about where we're at with the mass mandates. We'll report more on that. Off of the tail spit, the tailwinds of the uh, pandemic. Congress is not sending any more financial aid to restaurants despite pleas from the industry.
1: I'm not surprised. And I did never you read that, that article on Eater? Yeah, I did. And I'm not surprised. And I think it's horrible. They I mean, also not 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 to not to go away from this one topic. They're also now not funding um any more vaccines for, uh, United States citizens. So it's, uh, all about your health insurance plans. Are you paying for them? But to go back to Congress, not, not helping the restaurants, uh, financially, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. It's one of the industries that took the biggest hit, um, during the last two, two years. Um, and I think they should put more money into whatever it is that they're doing and start to beef up the restaurant revitalization fund, the RRF. Um, And that's it. Um, I think it needs to be replenished. These restaurants need help. Um, They're doing everything that they can. And I think Congress uh, dropped the ball big time on this. It's abundantly clear. It says that the Biden administration considers the pandemic to be basically over. The president has encouraged most people to stop wearing masks in indoor spaces, something that was unthinkable a year ago. He also encourages people to stop working from home and head back into their offices in an effort to move forward after two years of absolute chaos and devastation for restaurants. It's all but certain that the devastation will continue because there's a lot more into this than being destroyed by a pandemic, inflation, gas prices, there are shortages all over the place, mm-hmm. and it's not just a pandemic; it's everything else that that follows. It's the war in Ukraine. It's the you know it's w- mm-hmm. with Russia that is affecting the restaurant industry. So um, well, that's
0: what that's what's affecting the rebound, which is why they they still need to give them funds. The the foundation is the pandemic, which they still haven't of rebounded course. from. Yep, you know, so like that's a whole thing. Let's not forget about. It. They're never going to recoup the money they've lost. That's never. that's out the. Way. That
1: doesn't happen in business. So. But they
0: need to rebuild and they need. And now because so we come off the pandemic and now we're in rising inflation. We have a war. We have raising gas prices. Not even talking about whatever the root causes of that. Just talking about the fact that it's happening. Yeah. And this is where, so now they need to rebuild from the pandemic and they have to fight twice as hard to climb that mountain. Well, and that's what kind of what makes it a little difficult.
1: Yeah. I mean, an estimated 90,000 restaurants have already closed their doors during the pandemic. And that number number will likely continue to grow. Supply chain shortages are still a massive problem. Like I said before, the cost of doing business grows by the day. Everything from labor to packaging to utilities has gotten ridiculously expensive And the ongoing rise in the cost of doing business continues to have, um, you know, a huge impact on small businesses like restaurants. So, I mean, this so much does not go speak to a lot of the big chains like Applebee's and TGI Fridays and chains like that. This is more of the young restaurant owners, you know what I'm saying, that are growing a business or have a concept or even mom and pop places, small businesses. That's what it is. They really didn't even, I mean, it was, it was a crappy 28.6 billion in the initial funding for restaurants. Right. It really wasn't enough to help any, you know, most establishments by the time it closed in July, 2021, um, the RF gave out, it was done.
0: Moving into Chipotle, who is testing robots that make tortilla chips. And its name is Chippy. Well, they had the other guy for burgers, which his name was Flippy. And that thing couldn't possibly produce enough food yet. But that's interesting. So I was looking, Chipotle goes automated. We'll see how Chippy does. Employees call out sick and robots will break down. So, you know. Uh, Miso Robotics is the one that – they're the one that is piloting a lot of – Cook, cook robots whatever it is i think they already have a waiter that could deliver drinks just designed to go from like service bar to tables not take full orders and all that stuff which actually wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because that's always the biggest pain in the ass is getting servers to run drinks they forget that that drinks die like food dies you know a cocktail i'm saying um and Managers don't know that. As soon as they sit in the dining room seven or eight tables at once, the first thing they should do is direct the staff to stand by service bar to help run. But that's a whole nother thing. That's, uh, but you know, I, I have mixed feelings about these robots cooking food because part of me is like, we got to employ kids or people. You know, what I mean, not just kids, anybody. This that's what I like about our business is we provide jobs. livings, yeah, jobs to people. So I don't like robots taking the place of jobs
1: but i will say robots give you that level of consistency an hourly employee or just an employee cannot give you and we're just talking about chips like all chippy is doing is seasoning chips at this point you know what i'm saying
0: but then you got flippy
1: and we got flippy <laughs> flippy and which is chippy. very slow right now i can't flippy it and all chippy. starts with
0: chippy <laughs> but interesting it's it's still interesting it, it'll true. be interesting to see. But that is, and honestly, to your point, you're. I, I do agree. I'm like, I'm thinking about, I've never really, well, I did work at a Mexican restaurant briefly. I ran the Chevys in Times Square for a right. year and a half. I don't remember, like, for the amount of chips that we went through, I still don't remember it being like a full-time employee's job. You know what I mean? Like how much?
1: Like, true. True.
0: How much chips are they prepping? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So that might just be more of a convenience thing. So another thing, I'm just interested to see what Miso Robotics comes up with. I'm also interested to see if they're publicly traded, but that's a personal note I will dig in there. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, just it's interesting to see. But I I think this is getting good press. You know, they've come up with a They did Flippy and Flippy bombed out big time and then they approved Flippy. And I read a lot about it. In fact, here it is in the article, Flippy to chicken to a lot of different things. I think Flippy is probably good like in an airport type setting or stadium type setting. You okay. know what I mean? I can't see how that would work in a full service restaurant. You go to like a stadium where there's just a burger stand, you put that thing there flipping hot dogs and hamburgers. That actually could be convenient <laughs> for you, you know, just selling the selling the protein for you. You dress it up and bun it up and get it out to the people. So we'll see where Flippy McDippy's going to go.
1: Flippy McDippy, I love it. But go Chipotle, I love Chipotle. I follow them all the time. They're very innovative. Um, I'm a huge fan of them. And uh, good for you, Chipotle. I look forward to seeing many great things for you guys in the news.
0: You're on. You're on it. You're on the Chipotle thing, huh?
1: I, yeah. I I never liked them, and then I just liked how they had that that huge comeback. And I mentioned it a couple, like either last episode or two episodes ago.
0: After the E. coli thing.
1: Yeah, the E. coli thing yeah. and the CEO getting, again, hauled away for stealing Coke one day. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. I'm in awe and um, I'm envious of their PR and, and marketing group because they did one hell of a job getting these guys out of the, out of the hole that they were in with all that bad press. So congrats to them.
0: I... I hear you. Those burritos at those Toros, they speak to me. But I like Chipotle very much.
1: <laughs> Chipotle
0: does, the, the, the food is good. It's a good yeah. brand. All right. Segwaying away from Chippy McDippy um, and talking about my love for making sure that we employ the American public and provide jobs to them. There's still that labor shortage, which is, which brings us to the title of our episode today, Labor Break You. Hopefully our industry people get it. Make or break you, right? Why? Because- labor will make or break you that could let a bad labor could run a restaurant out of business because of those razor we have so much fixed expense that that profit margin is just so razor thin correct, correct. so labor it will make or break you right rising labor costs inflation uh, minimum wage is going up everywhere even yeah. doesn't matter blue state red state whatever minimum wage is going up everywhere um you know so you have all of those things that we have to overcome and as we talked about in the last episode too, you know, restaurants where we've had tipped employees doing some work, which I still agree that they should do it because in a lot of ways, a server is very much a subcontractor. You know, that's why they made that less, lesser wage because they're selling product and they're using the restaurant's resources for their gratuities. Right. That was the whole thought process behind it. Yep. Uh, what does TIP stand for? To ensure proper service. Yep. Right? So you're you're a you're a subcontractor in that restaurant selling someone else's product to make your money. Yep. Just like other people do in a lot of different things, like a real estate agent. You know, some some real estate agents work for firms. They're not selling. They got to sell houses to make money. Where are they getting those leads from? Right. So that's where Chippy might come in. This way, you don't have to take as much of a dippy out of the bottom line. That was I really can't. corny. That
1: was key, uh, man. That is your <laughs> finest right now. I love it. So I love it.
0: You know, obviously maybe those might be some options and then they have to look at how they can streamline their operations and make it more effective so that we're not having as many hands in the pot to get the job done.
1: That is true. That is true. And then you have on
0: top of it, Christine, I think, uh, you know, you I'm sure you're aware of the New York City Fair Work Week laws and that's other major cities, I think. And that really just targets fast food.
1: Yes. And that now, went into effect 2017. So yes, it's, so they it has have evolved yes. since then. They have more, they, they want more harder. predictable scheduling. So it allows employees working shifts of part-time hours, the ability to plan their budgets and schedules with more certainty around how much money they will make. Uh, and when they will work, which I get it. I think it's great. You know, I actually like this. Um, you know, it took a little bit of getting used to back, back then, but I get it. No, no cloping, uh, Clopens, remember? Clopins, close mm-hmm. opens? Hated those. Close opens. Yeah.
0: They're a hundred bucks yeah. now if you schedule someone for it. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: You have to pay them a hundred dollar clopen fee, add it to their check, Clopins. and then they have to sign a consent form saying that they are uh, willing to do that clopen as well.
1: Yeah.
0: And file that. You know, there's there are certain things now, there's certain things that are that I I I actually think a lot of fair work we could New York City, I can speak to, particularly I is that was done for the employee. And then they have put in other things where it's almost like two set. You know what I mean? Right. The schedules have to be two set in forced restaurants to where it's actually removing that flexibility that our industry used to provide. And again, this is only in the fast food segment. It is not in um, the quick serve. So schedule up two weeks in advance as a general manager i required my managers to do that anyway no matter what i never got you work with those managers they would like post the schedule for 24 hours before it
1: was done i i I felt that
0: was bad for the team and the business yeah like how how are you projecting proper labor and what you plan on driving to your bottom line if you're just throwing a schedule up 24 hours before you've just
1: exactly just
0: copy and paste in a schedule um so i'm that is whatever that's how that's if you're operating your restaurant effectively you have your schedule up for two weeks in advance anyway because you're planning ahead parties whatever um managing labor in the moment that was a big way that you and i grew up that fair work Week really has uh taken down you can't cut people anymore at least in the fast food environment right and the reason is because they
1: have, work right, they
0: have to work their schedule. If you send them home early, you have to pay a $45 uh, reduction of shift fee. So the only time it makes sense is if something happens and you're going to be much slower and you call people out who are working eight hours and you say, stay home, then you got to pay them that 45 or 75 Correct. Which would be yes. cheaper than if they showed up and you just paid them to stand there with their thumb up their ass because there's construction happening exactly in front the of the place the or deal.
1: whatever. Exactly.
0: So, you know, so, but you can't be, and I actually, I don't know about you. I actually, when I would cut, used to want to send servers home because they don't, they don't make as much money, but I had, I always took issue with sending a line cook home who got dressed, spent the money to come to work. They rely on that check and now they're there for two hours and you say, get out. I'm sorry. I didn't make enough money to pay you.
1: I have a problem. Personally, with that. I never thought that. I have a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because, I mean, that's somebody who generally has, you know, working in the full service. The kitchen is actually generally the more mature staff a lot of times with more of the burden on their yes. shoulders of kids, mortgage, rent, whatever the case might be outside of the restaurant. And now you're going to do that to somebody. You know, imagine how would you like even as we're director, as if we were director of operation roles or whatever, the owner we worked for was just like, oh yeah, I only need you three days this week and your salary is going to be prorated.
1: Yeah, yeah, that I'm doesn't like, fly with me.
0: Just wouldn't that that wouldn't work. So that's also another thing I think that is good that helps them out because that's that should be looked at. But it is harder to find that labor sweet spot, you know, the, the part where you are matching up your productivity that aligns with your sales to drive home the right profitability because a lot of operators forget and a lot of junior managers forget that low labor can be too low. It's not just labor can be too high. Right. You can do the reverse effect. I, and I'm sure you have, as a director, had that one manager pat on their chest. I ran an 8% labor yesterday. I'm like, you must have been running a fucking shit show. Right. right. And, and, and everybody who dined in. Right. And nobody's coming back who ate there last night.
1: Right. And you pissed everybody off in the process. I love when they do that. And I'm like, yeah, you did nothing for yourself, but just ruin your business. So don't right. ever do that again. I'd rather right. you, the way I am, the way I used to run restaurants, I'd rather mm-hmm. you over schedule on labor. Right, spend right. a couple extra dollars here and there. All that's going to do is going to increase your revenue anyway, long term, mm-hmm. because you have the people there, right? I mean, some right. cases you have extreme circumstances when the restaurant is completely dead out of nowhere for some right. unforeseen reason, and you know it's you, the ma- your your managers and your key people like that. I get, but never ever run your labor to the ground like that and pound yourself on the chest like you're King Kong and you did the best job ever because you literally just destroyed your business. Yep. It's exactly what you did.
0: So what these laws kind of force managers to do is kind of become heat-seeking missiles. They got to they gotta be proactive and they need to make the cuts before the schedule goes up rather than schedule heavy in certain areas. There's a lot of reports and tools that you can find now. There's a lot of different labor programs like hot schedules or seven shifts, I know there's other ones out there um, that can help you identify and project what you think your sales were and help you where you should schedule people more effectively based around your hourly sales. And a lot of these programs give you history of your business, you know, start to be like, all right, every Tuesday, for whatever reason, you tend to do between six and eight, you do heavier sales hours than you do on Wednesday or Monday. Right. So now you can build more people into that. So there's a lot of tools to help you do that, and that's just the way that you got to start thinking about your labor. And maybe that's the way we should have been. You know, the old school, yeah, 1999 was schedule 20 servers every night and cut them if you need to. That's you know, it. schedule that's five hosts and cut them if you need to. This way, you're covered for the callouts, and <laughs> we just got to change that mentality. So with that, Christine, it's been a great episode. I say we wrap a bow on this bad boy. What do you think?
1: I think we should. Thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Behind the Counter. Please subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Like and follow us on TikTok and Instagram. And guys, until next week, have a good night.
0: Good night, everybody. Like us on everything.